0: Hello and welcome back to the Real Talk Retail podcast. I'm really excited today I'm joined by the amazing Paul Gallagher. He sits on the board of Retail Excellence Ireland and he's also Managing Director for Sketchers here in Ireland. And before we just hit the button there, me and Paul were having a really interesting conversation about the high street retailers um, and making it more accessible for businesses in the retail format to get people back into the city centres. And we're talking about that today and how can local councils and um, local government really support retailers in driving footfall into their city centres but also bringing it back alive again now Paul we were just talking there before we went on um, about you are we talking about how living above these units and we gave an example I did of a unit here in Galway where there's four floors and only two of the units of that or two of the floors are actually in use of that unit um can you tell me maybe you came up you said something there they're doing something um in in, in the likes of Norway and Amsterdam over there in the Nordics and um, where they actually have use of these um overhead spaces within these units and city centers
1: okay well, I, I think, I mean, Retail Excellence have put this point. I just want to correct you there as well. I'm managing director of Shoes Group, which operates the Skechers retail stores for Ireland. So we don't have the wholesale part of it, but we're the group. We have 20, we look, by the end of this year, we have 24 retail st- Sketchers stores across the country, north and south. Um, yeah, Retail Excellence have uh, made representations to the minister, current one, uh, Mr. Redmond and uh, Damien English before him. And, um, mm-hmm. We have said that, you know, the -the over-the-store retail uh, premises is lying idle in a vast, vast majority of places. All are across from Tralee to Castle to Cork to Dublin, Galway, Limerick, Waterford. It's just unbelievable. Now, we are so tight on accommodation in this country, particularly in in, uh, the the wake of the UK train crisis and so on. It's low hanging fruit. Right? Yeah. And uh, why aren't we availing of all this accommodation that's on our high streets? Now, the, the the answer seems to be uh, every time we retail excellence have challenged this is it's fire officer laws or fire regulations or whatever. No, I'm not saying or suggesting in any shape or form that we become reckless with fire eggs or fire, rig, you know, or any sort of safe practices. But if you look at across Denmark and uh, particularly Holland and so on across Europe, Central Europe. And um, they've availed of this. And uh, the policy what was in, I think it was in Amsterdam, what they were doing is they were giving a slight grant of a year or two's rent relief. So if you revamped uh, uh, an apartment or flat over a shop, you got, you know, the first year, second year's rent tax free or whatever to, to contribute towards re- revamping your flat. So what it did is it regenerated city centres, town centres and made the place safer to live in, brought families back into town and brought like, we have a huge influence of tech and pharma people and so on. And I mean, they don't want to live an hour, an hour and a half away. They want to live in town. They want to meet their friends. They want to walk into the city centre. They want to walk around to the coffee shop, the tapas bar, the pub, wherever they're going. And... uh, it's there's a vibrancy in 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 the city centre, and it will restore a lot of life to a lot of towns and city centres that, first, in some cases, have have you know gone backwards to an extent. Um, the rates is another issue, but if I just finish off on the on the accommodation overhead issue is. Um, like it also helps combat anti-social behavior so anywhere that this has been brought in the crime comes down it's a safer place to, to to live you know and i think that can only be good for city centers and um you know it's it'd be great to see the city centers buzzing back with vibrancy and families living there and you know couples walking you know late at night and coffee shops open to later 10 o'clock because there's so many people there's a one guy actually in Cork, and he opens at about eight or nine o'clock coffee shop and he's one of the few because they all seem to close at four or five. And he's full of all young people on their laptops, on their iPads, and they're all tipping away and they're having great crap because on a Tuesday night, maybe they don't want to go to the pub, right? And it's giving them an option and it's creating a kind of a techie community and they're all chatting and hanging out. And You know, I, I, I'm i all for that. Um, the, it's also <laughs> going to solve a problem like in retail no more than any other business in the country it's very difficult to um to the staff situation is challenging right because we effectively full employment right and we i was heard a story recently about a guy who turned down a very good lucrative job in dublin because he couldn't get accommodation that he could afford within about you know 40 minutes of the place so he ended up staying in drahada where he was working um there's lots of different repetitions of stories like that across a lot of towns, but you know, if there's a little bit of joint of thinking here that the government should really look at if the fire eggs can operate in all these very modern countries, mm. why can't we work the same? There is no reason. It just needs we need to stop saying what we can't do and start thinking about what we can do, right? Be grateful for what we have and work on it. And we were an incredibly uh, creative nation. We bounced back from COVID. We bounced back from terrible recessions. We can do it, but we have to have a can-do attitude. And then the government just seems to be kicked down the road attitude, right? Well, I mean, the HSE, you know, um, did a fine job with, you know, the, when they were forced with COVID. Now you see what RT is what the opposite can be. Now the HSE is very extravagant in how it's spending that we maybe spent too much of COVID. But we need people need to be accountable. There needs to be accountability within the government. Someone needs to say, I'm brave enough to take this on. And right now, there's a huge lack of bravery in leadership in the government to have <coughs> I suppose the Lee Rodies to take this on board, right? They really need to look at this. This is low-hanging fruit. We don't need platitudes, we don't need all the old stories and the nonsense, oh, so we're looking at it. They don't need to look at it. They need to do something about it, right? Um, and we could, uh, the number I was given was the, between, in, in, within a couple of mile radius of the Dublin city centre, there's forty, fifty thousand of these properties available. Look what that would do in a heartbeat, right? And then you take that and transfer it across Cork, Galway, Limerick, all across the country. It's incredible. The opportunities to solve what is a real and serious crisis in for accommodation at the moment, and it's also beginning to hinder new foreign direct investment coming into Ireland because the lack of accommodation is is challenging. The staff we can bring in from abroad, there's a lot of that going on, and that's okay, and I'm all for that too. And I think the integration is healthy and good for the economy, but we need for somewhere for them to live that they can afford you know um and i think they need to really really look at it. the other thing i, I think that they could they could look at in a lot of the smaller towns and even in the bigger ones a lot of these side streets and uh, there's the, and even the main streets there's the shops that have been closed for quite a while and they need to look at the you know the lease uh, sorry the, the the rates and what they can do with the rates uh, I remember we were opening Wexford and we were or between Wexford and Waterford. We were deciding a few years back which one to open. And uh, Michael Walsh, I believe, the head guy in Waterford and Breed, I think, was the lady we were dealing with. She was extremely proactive. We met her at a retail excellence conference. And uh, so they actually did a, a, an incentive for us to open in Waterford, and we did, right? And uh, we're there six seven years ago I think at this stage and so happy we are in Waterford the landlord was retiring recently and we actually bought the building um but the the incentives we got were the difference between us opening in Wexford and Waterford because we just said right these people are proactive and they want to do business and we've been employing staff there for the last seven years on the back of that and that's just one small store um some of the stores, too, I, I think there seems to be a very great reluctance to they, they allow overhead accommodation in some cases uh, for a small building, we'll say, and they don't allow you They say that you have to keep the retail or the commercial part for the ground floor. Now, in a lot of cases, it's not commercially viable to keep the, the retail space in the ground floor. So I think we should be looking at if it's a three-story building and it's off-centre and, and, and on a side street, they should look at making a three stores of, of accommodation, not not three store, not a, a bottom retail and, and, and two stores, because it's filling up a gap and it's providing accommodation, right? Because obviously if it's been vacant for over two years, it's not fit for purpose or the demand isn't there for retail because retail is like everything else, it's becoming more specialised, although I must say retail is... Rather buoyant in Ireland at the moment. Retail is good and solid, from what we can get back from retail excellence uh, Maybe to the detriment of online, but and I think that's particularly since the turn of the, uh, the year, since Christmas. Um, uh, online seems to have have slipped a bit. And bricks and mortar is uh, enjoying good, healthy footfall, and um, and a steady economy, despite what a lot of people might might like to think about the morning of bricks and mortar and all that. Yeah, there's a lot of retail gaps. But then there's a lot of opportunities for those retail gaps to be filled if people start thinking outside the box. Because quite clearly, everything that they've been doing prior to this isn't working. Right. And I mean, I think it was Albert Einstein said was the first sign of stupidity is keep doing the same thing and expect different results because that's exactly what they're doing.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting. You gave that example of the Waterford, I think, Paul. And mm-hmm. um, do you think that's that's that? And that's one option, I think, for them to look at that at I suppose at local levels and national as well. How can they make use um, of, of attracting retailers into the city centres or into their shopping centres to rejuvenate it again? I think that's really important. We talked about before the this kind of piece of, you know, we're we're big into supporting local, we're big into obviously shopping local. And it was a it was a campaign that I thought worked really, really well through COVID, Paul, to get people to go and really shop nearby. You now I know with the restrictions, you obviously had that as well. Um, and it worked really well that campaign. Um, from your perspective, the, the likes of kind of pop-ups or short, short-term short lets for maybe those smaller retailers, the independent retailers that maybe want to get their foot in the door of the bricks and mortar piece um, and there may be online. Do you think there's a possibility there? Do you think, what what what's your take on that?
1: I think that could be the life and soul of how we regenerate a lot of inner cities and towns. I think it's a great idea. I think there's a lot of creative people out there um, uh you know, arts and crafts and, and, you know, hobby shops and tapas and, you know, all the bakeries and, and, you know, little coffee shops with little indigenous ones that do all sort of quirky things. And they're fun and they're, they're, you know, and I think they probably can't afford the rates for a pop-up. But I mean, why not give them, like, say, a three to six months rates-free pop-up for anything that's been left there for more than a year and a half or so? And um, let them feel the way. And, uh, and then if they get a, the rates free and the landlords are, obviously would be desperate enough to give them a couple of months rent free as well as because they have obviously a, a premises they can't let so like there'd be a double whammy and it would be a great incentive for someone to put their toe in the water feel the temperature and uh, and you could create a hell of a lot of new stores but you'd also create a very interesting and quirky because like let's face it there's still a lot of a uh, high street retail that looks the same here as it does in the UK or even across Europe you know a lot of the big multiples are all there but the the, the point of difference is what your your, your unique your usp or your unique selling point would be the likes of all these little quirky shops offering different indigenous stuff so and i mean you know you see uh, the coffee shops are flying and the uh, you know the tapas bars are doing well and People have an appetite for a bit of of fun, you know. So this can be brought across the board uh, even more so if the little bit of thinking outside the box and make it more and more, you know, and there should be. There's also no grants for retail. You can't get a grant for retail. You can get a grant for manufacturing. You can get a grant for There's no grants for retail.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really, really, I love that you brought that up, Paul, because I mentor um, I mentor a lot of product-based business owners. So these are people that make, it could be, a you know, products for their face, cosmetic products, and they're making it at home. They're essentially mm-hmm. a homegrown product. It's cultivated, could be Irish seaweed-based. It could, you know, natural, organic stuff. And the challenges they're having, Paul, is what you said there. there, there isn't grants available unless... There, unless they can go to Enterprise Ireland and that's when they have a team of people behind them. But there, there is a point where they start off on their own making the product and then to go from there to there, there is no kind of, there's no kind of, I suppose, what you said there, kind of that support. And there's a bit of a gap in that. So I mentor some of them, but there is a gap there with the funding side of things where a lot of them are struggling and um, because they need to get the product made, the packaging made, and um, they're then going to all these showcases. They're then going to markets to try and sell the product, Paul. And then there's their online shop, but they're they're struggling to get their foot inside the door of a bricks and mortar retailer, like you said.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, and that could be the difference between hero and zero. You know, I mean, that uh, getting it under could be the one that could take them over the line where they get enough volume mm-hmm. where it becomes viable, and all of a sudden it becomes a job. And then from becoming a job, it becomes a business, uh, and then from becoming a business, it could thrive. You know and uh, and that whole beauty industry is on fire at the moment so there's loads of different options for various different products or, or whatever accessories you know uh and and i think it's uh, it, it's certainly something that i i just think that um Government, like they're very fixed on the big multinationals and all these, you know, but like, I mean, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, you know I mean? There's an old English saying that I love quoting and it's like yard by yard. It's very hard, but inch by inch, it's a cinch. And like all these small stores could make a hell of a difference to a a regional town or city or or whatever the case may be. And living overhead accommodation is, is certainly low hanging fruit and, um, and there's an appetite for this stuff because any of these places that seem to pop up seem to do quite well. Uh, See, so even looking at. Um a rerun there of John Thoreau the, the chef was going around Ireland and he was in Cannoli the little ta- or little Cannoli, the Italian guy in Dublin and he was in uh, you know, a couple of more, more ones there and they were just all these fantastic quirky fabulous foodie places that really had a difference I mean in Cork here we have a thing called the Marina Market which has been a phenomenal success it's about the size of Crow Park but it's a market that's on seven days a week I think it's the old Ford factory and it's done by the marina and it is a phenomenal success. The English market, which is a phenomenal success. And then there's a lot of regional markets like the Douglas market on a Saturday and the Mahon Point market on a, on a Thursday. All of those have made a huge difference. Nightingale Cork is extremely strong in city anyway. But they've been, you know, tant- they've been really behind the backbone of the resurgence of a, of a lot of stuff going on in the city and I think, uh, you know, Kinsale is another place. Westport, any of these ones, Dingle. There's a quite a lot of these towns that have always. Th- there's been creative thinking behind them locally, and 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 they're booming, absolutely flying. I mean, Dublin itself is incredible. I mean, it's probably for me. Like, I often talk to Cork people about you know where are you going for the weekend. No, I'm thinking of going away. Am I might go to run? This. I said, don't bother. Get on the train, get in the car, go up to Dublin. It's magic. I'm up there every week, and I love it. And it's absolutely on fire. You know. Um, and I I think you know we're here mourning about a lot of things but we don't have the biggest thing in Ireland we need to learn is a bit of gratitude we have so much here and people have to be so proud of what we do but a little bit of thinking outside the box and local authorities and government level Mm. can get us to to a new space altogether. I mean the opportunities Mm. are in front of us there's low-hanging fruit but we need to get out of our own way
0: yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's leveraging what we have like you said yeah. those food markets and I think those kind of markets what you said it's yeah. it's bringing people together. Those kind of eater, you know, it's bringing people in that they want to get the fresh bread. They want to go and talk to the guy that's selling the flowers or the lady that brings up her fresh tomatoes that she grows in her garden. Every it's, it's, it's a, it's a focus, but it's a focal point, I think, really, because you touched on Mahan Point, I think, before that it Mm. brought people to the shopping centre,
1: rejuvenated. It yes, did, because like I was one of the first store, stores in there. I had a gene store called Gasoline back in the day. I had a few of them. And uh, when we opened at Mahan Point, I think it was about 2006 or something like that, um, and Mahan Point was slow to take off. But Doreen Allen and uh, Rachel Allen actually were very helpful with the pushing and launching the, the farmer's market there. And it really made a phenomenal difference to the centre. Yeah. To this day, Thursdays, which is the day of the market, it is a strong day and uh, it, it changed the whole clientele and the whole dynamic of, of Manhattan Point shopping centre to what it is today, which is a good strong shopping centre.
0: Yeah, yeah. So those kind of those things that bring the footfall in having a market. Yeah. Looking at pop-ups, looking at rates, these are things that can they can really change the dynamic of the high street. And it was really interesting. there. I think I I heard you having a discussion um, and you were on another podcast and you discussed um, Matthew Brown, I think, and that you yeah. had a discussion around. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting line that I took from that, what you talked about, Paul, which was um, high streets need to be like shopping centres and shopping centres need to be like high streets. And I highlighted that one sentence because... Yes. That rang a bell in my ear. So for years I used to be a store manager. Um yeah. I used to manage in the Crescent Shopping Center a a franchise brand called Promot. It was owned by best mentor um David and 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 dad owned it. And I remember managing that franchise and Exactly what you said there. The crescent is a perfect example of how if you can replicate that same energy on a high street paul it just yeah. really brings it to life. Um, mm-hmm. And and what I always used to say in a shopping centre, you're looked after because you have the shopping centre marketing, right? Mm-hmm. They'll market the store for you if your sales are down. Go, can you put this up? Can you drive this? Da-da-da. But when you're on the high streets. You don't have the shopping centre marketing team. You don't have this. You're very much a lone wolf on that high street. Yep. So you have to be really creative in driving footfall into your store. Yeah. Um, so, right. yeah, no, go for it.
1: There's an elephant in the room with the high street Though we're finding is, I know we're all good about providing uh, cycle lanes and so on and reducing carbon footprint and all that. But people need to get into town. The, the public service transport is not fit for purpose. And shame on the government, right? Mm. Shame on right? It, nationally, they're 20 years behind where they should be. And they're taking all the cars out of the city centre. Mm. There's no viable alternative for a lot of it. Now, park and ride sounds great. But you look out the window today, it's lashing rain. Park and ride with a family of four, mum, dad, and two kids, with brown paper bags in the lessons are in, what are they supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Where do they put their brown paper bags in it's lashing outside and they're trying to do a bit of shopping? That's killing a lot of city centres and town centres. That's yeah. why the shopping centres are doing so buoyantly. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, there is a room for high street and we have quite a few high street stores and we do reasonably well and we do very well in some of them. But shopping centres are very, very strong. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to start looking at all the options before we take any more car parks out of towns and city centres, someone needs to think, how are they going to get in there? How is the town centre going to survive on the limited access that we're giving it? We're strangling some town centres, you know, and Galway itself is one. I mean, I drove up to Galway not so long ago and it took me 45 minutes to get from Renmore into town.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: should take you 10 or 15, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and in Cork it can take you. were talking about it this morning. It t- can take ages to get out. Some days you're at the wrong end of it. If I do, if I'm leaving Dublin, which I'm in Dublin every week, I need to get out of Dublin city centre by three o'clock, or else it gets gets snared up. And um, you know there's there's huge opportunities. It's not all bad, but like the joint up thinking needs to be done. And um, if we're going, to look, you know, harp on this public service transport, we need to start doing something about the public service transport because it's simply not good
0: enough you know yeah yeah no i agree 100 um, percent with that and i think it was really interesting during covid we obviously had restrictions on the amount of people that could be inside the stores so what you found in the high street was is people standing outside so we were looking at putting canopies up we didn't realize it to apply for planning permission they couldn't actually just put up on the yeah. thing So we could not, obviously that was a solution to the standout, but you're right in them holding the bags and it was really interesting, but that was highlighted really, i seen, with the um, because we, we actually give customers umbrellas when they're standing outside the store, we would actually give them our branded umbrellas because they were standing in the rain. But it, it's really interesting you said that. But what's we talked about transport? What is there any quick wins there, Paul, from your experience? What I don't do you know, think?
1: I wouldn't be qualified what how, how or what we might do, but all I know is it's getting scary at the moment, yeah. and um, yeah. and the, the amount of car park spaces that have been taken out of the major cities is phenomenal. Yeah, um, and the car parks are all quite full. There is, yeah. and I mean, now they're trying talking about reducing more and more with Dublin in particular, and they're talking about congestion charges. I mean, are they really on a path to self destruction? I think the people in government really need to look at the 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 damage they could do to a very vibrant city, mm-hmm. uh, who I'm proud of to have as our capital. I I think it's a great town, and. Um, if you look at the buzz, the, the people need to get in and out of town. They need accessibility, right? And, and and Dublin has a reasonably decent transport system. But at the same time, you know, people need, there are occasions when people will need to drive to town. I mean, you can't do um, your weekly shopping on the bus, you know? You, you, yeah. You, you know, and if you want to go into Marks and Spencers on Grafton Street or Dunn's and Stephen's Green or wherever you want to go, I know there's regional ones as well, but, like, the the offer, the the, the greater offer, if you want to do a a family shop, if you've got to, you know, bring in the kids or whatever and you're in the tow, you need access to, you know, sports shops, shoe shops, restaurants, you know, everything. And they are not always available in the more suburban places. Mm. And even if they are, city centre has to have a buzz in it, you know, the city centre has to have, has to trade, you know.
0: Yeah, how are you battling that? I suppose, Paul, as as a as a retailer, right? And and the reason I ask that is because we done a you know a click and collect service, you know, over peak trade, you've Black Friday, you've all those kind of key sales dates coming up on your commercial calendar, right? As a retailer, mm-hmm. how do you, I suppose, entice the customer in? Obviously, from a strategy piece, into those high street stores. I'll give you an example. So, we, we I was working with one retailer and there was an issue around the parking. Now, what we've done, and obviously you can't do this all the time, we scheduled like a 12 to 4 slot where we had extra staff in so that the customer could pull up at the back of the, the, say, the laneway of the store. So, they didn't have to pay for parking. So, they'd ring the store, we bring out the click and collect. All. So, we were trying to come up with creative ways to I suppose serve the customer, but getting them to still purchase off us, if that makes sense. Um for, for that. Yeah. So is there anything that you've kind of that you feel from a retailer that's maybe listening to this now, um it can maybe drive that in the intern?
1: No, I mean I'd like look i i think they need to make sure that people can park somewhere within walking distance or striking distance. Doesn't have to be in bang, in the middle of the city centre. But within a five to ten minute walk of the city centre, they need to be able to get access, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're talking about this 15-minute city, like it's, a, you know, a 15-minute commute. It's all, you know, that's all great in theory, but it's not in practice. And, um, and you know, there's huge uh, opportunities for thinking outside the box, for providing, what I said, the overhead accommodation, looking, re-looking at the transport system, Yes I'm all for going green yes I'm all for doing this but do it in a practical and uh, you know manner that it's not they start to seem to it's all done in one big swoop and then all the parking is gone and they've bicy- bicycle lanes everywhere that's great but I don't see a lot of bicycles in a lot of these bicycle lanes you know um mm-hmm. some of them yeah some of them no um I I think you know it, there should be more urgency and accountability uh, on the local councils and then, indeed, on in government itself, to relook and speed up the transport situation. I mean, the fact that there's not a metro from Dublin Airport into the city centre, which they have talked about for the last twenty five years, is a joke. The fact, you know, the, the, it's mm-hmm. just um, there's a lot of opportunity, and then there's a lot of, you know, they're talking about, you know, bicycle lanes and public transport and all that. But I mean, are not the streets in Dublin or Cork or Limerick or Galway are narrow streets? The you
0: cob- know yeah, the cobbles yeah, yeah. the yeah. right? Yeah. so yeah.
1: you know you've got to be realistic of what you have yeah like you can't reinvent the wheel and chop down half a block of this of the city just to make it the road will, like just just not not viable so mm-hmm. um you know there, I, I i don't have the answer but i think government need to look at it i mean mm-hmm. and they can certainly take a, a leaf out of some of the other more modern european cities who have Achieved a better balance. I I think our balance is a bit lopsided at the moment. Um, saying that, Henry Street footfall is very good for us. So Broad Street and Waterford, we have good footfall. Uh, Upper Lane and Cork, we have decent footfall there. Some of our high street stores. But the um, the shopping centres are, are are quite strong for the most part. Um, parking is a necessity. It's the only one or two. Liffey Valley went backwards, we found, last week in particular. And... Um, with football and I think it's because they've introduced pay parking within the last kind of six months or so Yeah, I, I think that has had a detrimental effect on Liffey Valley mm. um, they'll dispute the fact but my gut feeling and, and our football numbers would say to the contrary you know yeah. um, and I, the, the word of caution there would be if you're going to start charging for parking you need to be careful mm. yeah, yeah. Um a lot of the shopping centres don't, you know. Mm. Or if they do, it's it's minimal, you know. Um so that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's really interesting. Paul, kind of obviously you're you've 23 stores at the moment, isn't it? Within yeah, we're
1: opening the 24th and Dundrum in October.
0: In October, okay.
1: That's a big big flagship.
0: Amazing. Um how is it kind of you've come out of COVID? What's what has been the learning for you as a retailer, as a franchise holder? What is what what are you looking at now? I suppose what's the vision of of the brand for for the next kind of three years, five years? Where where do you see it going?
1: Well, Skechers as a brand is on fire at the moment, and thank God we're uh, we're happy enough. We've uh, been with them since two thousand and ten. Yeah, uh, we started in two thousand and ten. They were turning one point eight billion globally. This year, they'll turn 8 billion globally. So they're almost five times bigger. And then, um, you know, people said it was in 2010, we took a chance, Sunil Shah and myself, on opening a store in Henry Street. People mm. said, you're bad, never do, can't work. And, you know, for the first year, it was a bit tough. But after that, we've now headed to 24 stores. We employed 300 plus people. We've won World Franchise of the Year twice in those last in the, that intervening period. So for us, um, we're buying to it going forward on one of the third biggest footwear brand on the planet now uh, after Nike and Adidas. So, you know, it's, it's phenomenal. And we have a huge broad spectrum, like with golf shoes, running shoes, work shoes, like in workwear, the number one in America. So we're doing a huge amount of work boots. We sell an awful lot to the Nurses and you know hospital and uh, the hospitality service we've all this anti slip footer and all that kind of stuff and we've arch foot and memory foam and all the comfort stuff so they're on their feet all day they're working in the pubs and they're working in the nurses in particular we do an awful lot of business and um, it's it's just a comfort shoe and we're a comfort brand and we kind of have a very broad appeal and I suppose comfort is king with schedules, you know uh, we're and they're innovative we've done a lot of stuff they're. We've done a collaboration with Jamie Redknapp. We've done one with Mylene Glass. Uh, Cass, and we're doing um, different ones with uh, Snoop Dogg. And God knows, a whole lot of other ones coming up at the moment. And they're all just having a bit of fun. And we did a lot of golf ones. We had Matt or We have Matt Fitzpatrick now on the golf. And uh, the golf shoes are flying since we were lucky with him. We took him on as a... as a, We sponsored him. And a couple of months later, he won the US Open. So sort of happy days. <laughs> Well, uh, you can be lucky too sometimes, but no, we, we, I'm quietly confident in the economy. Um, we've we've, we have 18 stores in the Republic and six in the North. Uh, the Republic is in. It's in good health, I'd say, you know, uh, I know there's a lot of people saying, yeah, there's expense and you know the, the gas bills and all that. And that all seems to be kind of coming down and there is a little bit of inflation and and you can't ignore that. But um, hopefully it'll all balance out over the coming year. I know that there's a lot of price reductions now being talked about towards the end of the year. And uh, I, I think that's going to uh, level itself. What did we learn from COVID? We learned that we were bloody well off and we didn't know how good, how good we had it until we got COVID. That's what we learned from COVID. <laughs> and, uh, and we learned that we're to be damn glad for what we have when we come up now. And I was even, I went into I an appointment to go in to collect something in a doctor's surgery this morning and I had to go in and I didn't have to wear a mask and I didn't have to have, all, you know, whatever. And I just said to myself, God above, this is great. It's good okay. to be back to normal
0: you know yeah amazing you've 300 staff paul it's
1: a lot yeah. of staff yeah I'm... we're based in a little island here at cork we have 16 in the head office so between buying marketing uh, yeah. deck heads our chief uh, head of ops and marketing dominic is our uh, cfo downstairs and then we've to uh, Laura lauren sinead and account or the hr and we have marketing next door yeah. a whole load of other ones and all the accounts team are downstairs and then we have district managers with three district managers, we have a training manager, and uh, and then all of the store managers, and so on, and so on, and so on.
0: How do you keep? I so suppose with three hundred, right? How do you keep that kind of engagement, retention, all because that's a big talking point with so many people at the moment. And I know there's a lot of movement in the retail. Even for myself, most people, Paul, that I would have seen, they've all left. Like a lot of them that were in it for more than ten years. They're just not in it anymore. A lot of them have left Um, through COVID, actually. A lot of them kind of, end up, even hospitality and retail, they have that shortage of the experienced retailer, I suppose. So they're seeing, obviously, they're bringing people up and they're looking at their succession plans. But what's kind of, what's been the main ingredient or what do you think is is well, focus we, for
1: you guys? We're really looking at it because everything that we do, if we stand still, we're going backwards. So we're really looking at yeah. it, right? We're looking at our culture. We're looking at engaging with our staff now. We we have three district managers broken down into the, the each three of the districts. Everybody eight stores each, and um, we're looking at engaging with them. We're looking at training days. We're looking at upskilling them. We've even hired the services of Alf Dunbar, who's uh, you are the difference. He's a, a very high profile retail guru from the UK. And Helen is his girl here and we work with her and she's great girl. and we'd be working with her continuously over the next, uh, every quarter we'll have her engaged with them. We're trying to make sure the customer gets a very pleasant experience and don't get me wrong, I am sure there could be plenty of people out there who haven't had a good experience in our store, but I would like to think that there's more people that have. Um, we're trying to make our staff, you are the difference because that is the difference right and if people are looked after well we can retain their custom and and, and grow our business with them we have a phenomenal loyalty card program we have over three hundred thousand people on a loyalty card program which represents 30 to 40 percent of our turnover every week phenomenal figures in there but right. we have the people they get a small bit of discount they get safe you know first offer a sale and various other different things we're looking at doing with our staff now. There's a program called Work It, which we're getting them free access to meditation and so on, and mental health issues and 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 lifestyle and you know gym things and all sorts of different we're, we're trying to look out, and this is we've only started this, and we've got a manager now just starting on the road to help develop company culture, to help develop the training with the three district managers and to see where we can make this as a, a, a kind of a, a community involvement. We're uh, looking at the ways to how we can improve staff conditions and how we can improve, you know, because a happy staff are a healthy staff and they'll stay and you'll they, have better staff retention. They'll probably work better. For, you know, there'll be more sales. It's an ever-ending challenge. You know, mm-hmm. a very young population in Ireland, one of the youngest in Europe, 50% of the population of Ireland is under 37 years old um so with that there's going to be a lot of transience anyway because people get older they move on they do different things but we like to see we are now devising this plan that we've we have devised this plan Call we call it the path of progression and almost all of our store managers now come through from you know some people started and maybe even college kids and all of a sudden they're, they're running a store and we have a path of progression um we have two of our three district managers have been with us more or less for quite a long time, and there's one new addition. And uh, we have store managers that are there seven years more. Uh, you know, we so we've managed to maintain a reasonable amount, but it's a challenge. And I mean, every time we have a board meeting with retail excellence, it's one of the things that does regularly crop up is staff attract. You know, staff availability, staff retention when you do have them. Mm-hmm and staff morale and you know so uh, Richard Branson says you know treat them well tra- treat them and train them well enough that they can leave them that they're happy enough that they won't.
0: Yeah yeah it's really really good and I, I was saying I was at an event there a while ago and I was saying if you treated every staff member like you do your best customer would mm. you have retention issues you know as in if you're treating them as well as what you do your best customer because from an internal perspective your staff are your customer. Do you know, they sell your brand, even when they leave work, they're Mm -hmm. going to their friends and family and saying, this is a great place to work. You know, I like working here. There's their brand ambassador without you realizing it. I think sometimes we don't realize that we're all customers. The people working in your shop are your customer, just as much as the person in the door. Yeah. they're
1: also your brand ambassador. So like, it's incredible important that they're well looked after you know we we try to do we, we re-look at what we do we offer you no know, retention bonuses at different levels and you know there's a lot of other things going on and it's the, the only thing that's constant in retail is change
0: yeah right yeah. An and we're adapting
1: and trying to be ahead of the curve is the challenge for us because there's other people competing for those same same staff members and um and we just you know uh, luckily we have a a kind of a world famous brand which gives us a bit of an edge because it's a kind of a nice place to work and it's nice stuff it's good shoes and good product and we have apparel and sunglasses and socks and god knows what else now so the range is extensive so most people are going to be interested in something we have and it makes it easier if you're interested in what you have you know
0: yeah yeah um any tips? So we're just coming to the end now, Paul. Um, is there anything anything that you would say to anyone that is maybe listening to this that wants to um, support retailers like your own retail business and other retailers? Um, they could be, I don't know, a council, chamber level. Is there anything that you would say um, to them?
1: The who, the, the like, obviously the rates and, and what... Yeah. What I mean, the cost of rates and what they provide for for that rates. Yeah, right? you
0: know,
1: there's very little provided for 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 the charge rates. They they'll tell you otherwise, but I think they could relook at that, the value for money for rates. But then, the rates being one issue, but I think the big elephant in the room is the uh, trying to get this living overhead accommodation. Okay, I mean, they're spending monumental amount of money m- amounts of money on providing accommodation for you know. Uh, Refugees and and everyone else and, and and they're welcome and and I feel sorry for their plight, especially Ukrainian. I think incredible people. They seem to be super super good backbone and and, and for the most part of i met, very very impressed and 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 solid. And and I've spoken to some of them and they've had a, an incredibly traumatic transition from being you know very comfortable in life on you know on business or doing your own whatever chain of stuff. And all of a sudden, you're living in a one-bed flat in town. It's it's
0: really challenging, Paul. It's
1: it's incredible, right? Yeah, It's a a culture
0: change. It's a huge culture
1: change. The money we're paying out to provide all this accommodation Mm. uh, at fairly exorbitant rates in some of the cases could be much better used if we were providing long term yeah availability of accommodation over houses and or over the stores and 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 all these inner cities towns everywhere and it's every single town in Ireland has a bucket of these places if the government to just wake up and smell the coffee because we don't need a five or ten year plan yeah we do grand but we need a plan now you know because plan a doesn't work and plan b doesn't come into place because there is no plan a Right, and all they seem to be doing is firefighting, throwing stupid amounts of money at you know the premises that aren't aren't viable for long term accommodation. You know they've fam- you know they've a load of families in a, sort of warehouse type places and big places. You know like hostels or whatever they might have been. But that's not, you know, that's not viable. Whereas if they had a whole load of different small stores or shops, it'd be cheaper probably anyway to rent these overnight places and get more long-term out of it. But it would free up huge amounts. And then the hotel prices obviously have gone ridiculously high because a lot of the lower-end hotel rooms have gone out of the market.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I, I think this should be like the government proves that it can work urgently when COVID was here. I think this is this isn't as serious as COVID, obviously, because that, but it's damn near close.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's really good. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for your insights. I appreciate your time. Um, where can people, if they want to check you out on LinkedIn, is it Paul or LinkedIn? Yeah. Yeah, they can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for joining me today, Paul.
1: My pleasure. Take care. All the best. Now.
0: Bye.